Um, well, good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Drones for Good podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm from Mirrigan Raz Consulting. Um, hopefully, everyone is ticking along okay. I know that today uh, here is the 13th of August on Friday morning, and I know it's day one of lockdown for Canberra. So thinking of uh, thinking of all our Canberra colleagues and mates um, down there, and, and obviously thinking of everyone still in Sydney um, with, uh, I think, week seven of lockdowns. So hopefully, there's some good news on the horizon. Uh, and I know that Melbourne has got some, some lockdown occurring too. So um, with half the country, uh, you know, in lockdown, please reach out to a friend and, and say good day and just make sure everyone is, is doing okay. Hey, on a, on a more positive note, uh, we're here today to talk uh, with Amy, and Amy's from Sunbirds. How are you, Amy? Hi, I'm good. Yourself? I'm really good, really, really good, and really looking awesome. forward to uh, to talking to you today. Um, now, I'm based in Brisbane. You're based in Brizzy as well? Yes, yes, I am. Excellent. We're, we're not face-to-face. We are still using Zoom um, at the moment. I tend to spend Fridays at home, and, and I'm trying to limit sort of heading to the city at the moment. Are you back in the office? Yeah, actually, just today, um, my first week, I was yeah working from home just to be safe. But it's good to be back at the office at least once, once uh, in a while. Yeah, it is, and and um, I kind of get a lot of energy from people and being around people. What what do you like most about being back in the office? Um, just just seeing people working. When you're working by yourself in the office, uh, you know sometimes you just need a chat. You want to reach out to people and. Here is like you can also talk to people. I like that. I like that atmosphere where people around you are working, but you can reach out to them, have a nice chat or coffee, and that's what I like. Awesome. So, look, before we get into Sunbirds um, in a lot of detail, I want to hear about you. So, um, obviously, you're, you're, you're part of the, um, the Uncrewed or the APAS, you know, industry. Well, what is your background? And, and I, I have a, a bit of a hint. There's a bit of an accent there as well. So I'm keen to hear kind of what's your background and how did you get to where we are now? Yeah, sure. No worries. Um, so probably some people will already noticed it, but I'm French. Um, so that's where my accent comes from. Um, yep. So I came to Australia last year, but actually what happened is I, I used to live here six years ago. And that's how I came in the industry, really. It's not through the drawing industry, not because I was passionate about drawings, but more because I was passionate about Australia. Um, so my background is in international relations. I have a Master two in international relations uh, in France. Right. Um, I studied a bit at UQ six years ago, and I kind of fell in love with Brisbane, um, the people, the environment, like all the atmosphere. So I kept coming back. And actually, um, when I finished my Master's, so uh, two years ago now, um, I came across Sunbirds. Um, so Sunbirds is a French and Australian company, but it's like mm-hmm. a young startup based in Toulouse, and they were expanding to the world, um, Africa and Australia. And um, I was, I thought it was a good opportunity for me to um, go back to Australia and get to know this country, work there a bit more. Um, and I really like. Um, Sunburst because what they're doing is that they're giving access to people to the large landscape of Australia through drones and I've been like lucky enough to visit Australia a lot so I've been to Darwin, I've been to um, Outback Queensland I've been to like also Perth like I've done a lot of road trips, I've seen the landscape of Australia and I love them and working through Sunburst was a good uh, opportunity for me to give access um, to like most people to what Australia can offer in terms of landscapes. Um, so yeah, that's how I entered the drone industry. Um, so last year I started January, 2020. Okay. Um, so yeah, so completely different. So I, when I started with the 
um, in the drone industry, I had to learn a lot of things about it. So how it works, um, like the whole atmosphere uh, and environment mm -hmm. and the network, the ecosystem. Um, no, I know it, but I, I didn't <laughs> have to learn a bit at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And so January 2020, so you started and then at the end of January, we kind of had the first case of COVID over in China and then and then COVID kind of really kicked off here. How did you find that period then? How did you find, you know, I guess, establishing yourself, but but in, a, in an industry in a time where there was so much, you know, so much going on around COVID and so many lockdowns and those types of things? Yeah, um, actually what happened is that I, I studied in France because I had to be trained for some friends. Um, two weeks before my flight, the border shut down. So I actually stayed, right. I got stuck in France for about eight months. Um, and I got the chance to come to Australia in December. And the reason why is because Sunburst is doing very, um, like, is doing work with natural resource management groups that are very mm -hmm. specific and needs to be done in a very specific time um, during the year because we are assessing plants and things like that. So I need, really needed to come to Australia so we could um, carry on those uh, very important projects. So I got a travel exemption um, and I was able to come in December, did the whole quarantine in Sydney and everything yeah, like right. that. And on a, like a, an anecdote, the day my quarantine ended, um, it ended at like 10 a.m. And just a few hours before at like 4 a.m. in the morning, uh, sorry, 6 a.m. in the morning, the border closed between Sydney and Brisbane. So I was like, I am going to be stuck in Sydney. I don't want that. But I was lucky <laughs> enough I could come because I already did my quarantine. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a weird experience because I left France. We were in lockdown. I couldn't say goodbye to everyone I knew. So it was interesting. It was a bit challenging, but it's good now. But we made it. So that's the main thing. We're here and we're, we're into it. So um, I'm a little bit off topic already, but I tend to do this. Um, Big differences between, say, the French, you know, UAV or, or drone industry and the Australian drone industry. Is there significant differences? I, I would assume that um, maybe some of the challenges and barriers are similar, but but can you give any insight, I guess, as, as to maybe how, how the French industry is different to the Australian? Well, um, that could uh, be a bit of a surprise for some people, but actually more aware of the Australian one than um, the French one because... Okay, yep happening is that most of our operations are actually not in France. Um, and the okay. main reason is because our main drone uh, can fly for a long time, like for up to eight hours. And France is not big enough uh, for <laughs> needing that type of drone. So actually, we're more focusing to Australia or Africa. Um, so it works differently. Uh, I don't want to say anything. Uh, I don't really know actually more that much about um, the French regulation just that it's actually less open than um, I would say the Australian one I have the feeling with the Australian uh, regulation you can actually connect with people get to know them get to know how the system works talk to them get feedback like put some proposal pro like projects and like I feel like I have the feeling that Casa wants to work with the industry mm. well in France I don't have truly got that feeling uh, they're more like the French way is more like no 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 you can't do that um let's let's put some rules but you know it's like no no we don't want to discuss about that. let us put some rules first well Kaza yep. is more like let's talk what do you need what do you want what can we do and i think it's a way more effective way of working it's like okay we're here to help the industry but to protect and increase safety but how can we work together french mm -hmm. way is more like mm, 
no, 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 no. Don't want to talk about it. Let's just put some rules and we'll see. Yeah, right. Interesting. Well, let's uh, let's talk about sunbirds. So um, well, I'm sure that there's probably some people, you know, definitely some listeners that haven't necessarily heard of sunbirds before. Mm-hmm. So can, can you give us a bit of an insight into the company? And, um, you know, in, in particular, I'm very interested in, in the problem you're trying to solve. You know, we, we talk a lot about problem-centric solutions, so not just building something for the sake of building something, but what is the problem you're trying to solve? Well, what is what, what is sunbirds all about and what, what's the problem they're trying to solve? Yeah, sure. Um, so sunbirds is a French company created in 2015. Um, and then we expand it to Africa and especially in Australia where we open an office in Adelaide first and then Brisbane. Um, but we are specialized in automated autonomous drones uh, and mainly for data analysis. We work with governments, organizations and landowners. Um, and the main idea of that sandbox is uh, our main drone is a solar power drone so that can fly for up to hours. And thanks to that, the people like governments or, as I say, landowners or businesses can access information either they couldn't access before or they could barely access it. Um, so, for example, in North Australia, you have a lot of places you cannot access through cars or even uh, through, like, working. Then this drone can access all of the information that you need. Uh, we work in Africa in the desert um, to count animals. Um, mm-hmm. And so using a drone can access that information that you couldn't access before because it was way too far or because there are no roads or no access um, to that information. Um, so our ID mainly is to be able to cover very, very large environment, uh, space and territories to access that information and give it to the people that need that information. Uh, that's the main idea of centers is covering very large um, territories, environments, give access to that information that people need. Um, in Australia, to give you a good example, and I think that's, we have two main markets, but the main one that we, we want to help is actually um, cattle stations. Cattle stations mm-hmm. are huge in Australia. To give you an example, I think people that have cattle stations bigger than some countries in Europe. Um, to me, it's like, like enormous. Um, as an anecdote, yeah, someone told me, I remember, um, she said she was entering a gate of a property and she thought, oh, Awesome, I'm finally there. And now there's an hour drive from the gate of the property to the, <laughs> to the, um, to the to home. The home to the <laughs> and it's like, just to give you an idea how big those properties are. And they have obviously millions head of cattle. And this cattle needs water. To do that, they have water points everywhere on the property. Um, but they need to check if it's working, if there's not an issue on that. So we use those drones to check water points and give information quickly to the cattle station owner and be able to, okay, what's happening in my property? What, what do I need to do? Uh, what information do I need today? That is what we want to do. Yeah, and uh, I can now see why your industry that you're focusing on is not the French industry and it's more the African or the Australian industry. It makes, it, exactly. makes a bit of sense. Hey, so um, Sunbirds, uh, multiple drones, single drone, what, what sort of capabilities um, have you got? Yeah, so we have um, different type of drones, um, multiple drones, mostly fixed wings. Um, so the main drone is the SB4 Phoenix, so it's a solar power drone. It has solar power on top of the wings, so it's using solar energy to fly. Um, so thanks to that, that this drone can fly for up to eight hours uh, without need to land and, and swap batteries. Um, so this is the, our main drone that we use for very, very large uh, missions. We also have smaller drones, fixed wing as well. 
that can suffer up to an hour and a half, an hour to an hour and a half. Um, but we're actually working on a VTOL, a solar-powered VTOL drone. So the idea is to be able to combine um, best of both worlds, let's say. Um, multi-rotors are really, really great. We don't do that at all, but I know they're really, really helpful. Um, and some people tend to like um, multi-rotors because they don't really have to touch them. Well, like fixed wing, you need to touch the drone to like lynch it or things like that. So we want to combine best of both worlds. But Sunbird signature is to use solar power drones. So the idea is to have a beetle with solar panels on top um, so that beetle could be able to fly for a long period of time as well and be very convenient. Like you don't touch it, it's completely autonomous. Uh, that's what we aim for. Awesome. And, and so these aircraft that can fly for, you know, eight hours on, um, on solar, what sort yes. of payloads are they carrying? What are they... What are they um, yeah, what, what's the capabilities of them? Is it just EO cameras or could you do other things as well? So it's um, um, mostly RGB camera, so a typical camera just to take photos and pictures. Mm -hmm. We also can carry multispectral. Um, that is completely possible as well. And firmware as well. But for in what we discovered that in the end, people are more looking for RGB um, because if you do long distance and you want to map really large space, um, that's not really, you wouldn't really use a multispectral to do that. So RGB is usually mm -hmm. what we tend to use mostly and to get a clear picture and like do auto photos. Um, but you can, we can also use multispectral or thermal as well. Okay, cool. And, and I was doing a bit of research uh, on Sunbirds, obviously, before, um, before this podcast, as all good podcast hosts do. Um, and you guys have got a pretty cool world record um, that, that I thought you might want to talk about a little bit. Can you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about this? I was quite excited to read about it, to be honest. I, I think some of this stuff's pretty cool. Yeah, sure. Um, so it happened in September 2020. So when I was actually still stuck in France, so a month or two before I, I came to Australia, so what happened, I think you everyone heard about it, but um, in between France and, and, and England, you had that uh, bit of water that everyone likes to cross and make what we heard about. So if you're like swimming or even like using planes, obviously. Uh, so that English channel is like a big place where you want to break what we heard or set what we heard. And what we've been uh, looking at is actually there's never been... Um, a drone that flew back and forth that English Channel, so from France to England, it's never happened before on an autonomous uh, flight. And because it was COVID and we, it was a bit of a trouble in like reaching to our markets, and just also we wanted to think about something else and have a project that could bring the team together. The main idea of that project was also bring the team together and working about something that never had done before. And so that's how the ID started. Um, so, yeah, that's what happened. So we went on the 14th of September 2020 um, to Senget, which is the, um, which is the beach in, in, in France. And the idea was to be able to fly the, uh, the drone back and forth completely autonomously. But to give you an idea, our drone is solar powered. So we need sun. But north of France is not known to be a sunny place <laughs> at all. So we, we set up a week and we were like uh, crossing fingers being like, we hope it's going to be sunny enough this week so our drone can fly. Because obviously there's not any, um, sort of like any sun. Our drone has a backup battery. But that backup yep. battery is like 
30 minutes to 45 minutes. So it's just to help you land the drone. But if you're in the middle of the water um, and we, <laughs> we didn't have authorization to land the drone in, in England, so it had to come back. So we're like, <laughs> finger crossed, it's going to work. And in the end, I don't know what, this week was perfect. We had like beautiful sun. It was like best condition ever. So the drone crossed was 100 um, kilometers. So crossed back and forth. It was a two hours and 21 minutes flight. Landing on the... Um, on the beach and the good news it was like 100% battery charge on arrival um, because we're using sun and actually we charging way more sun than what we need um, so when the drone came back full batteries at arrival it's like really really good um, achievement for Sunbird's team really proud of it yeah it was a uh, pretty cool that is that is very cool <coughs> excuse me um that's really cool and so uh your, your current drones can do out to sort of eight hours of continuous flight at the moment. Yes. Where do you think that's going to go into the future? Is Sunbirds looking at new technology to make that, that go further or, or is eight hours, you know, enough? Do you think that's going to meet the requirements of the industry? Um, I mean, there are other um, businesses that do like 14 hours and they are more towards uh, targeting military industry. Sunbirds is not really into uh, like working with the military industry we're more like helping um like non-profit organization or cattle stations um like any landowners and i think their eight hours is long enough um to be able to cover most of the what we're doing and we we could i'm pretty sure we could do more but then we'd be flying at night and i think for the market we're targeting and the people we're working with if they don't really need uh information at night um, mm. so it would be possible, but it's no one actually expressed the need to have a longer flight time. So yep. for now, we have to wait hours. That makes a bit of sense. And, um, so you guys have obviously really gone down this path of solar. Why solar? You know, why not, um, why not more just battery, bigger batteries? Why not looking at, um, you know, fuel based, um, type drones as well? Why, why solar? Um, I think there's like, uh, and everywhere in the world, there's been a shift over the past uh, five, six, seven years about being more conscious about the environment, uh, about climate change. And we are a young team at Sunbirds, and I think everyone can have that sense of like things need to change in every industry. Mm. Uh, and the drone industry in itself is amazing because you can use drone instead of um, your car or instead of a helicopter or anything like that. But we were like, things can change even more, even on the drone itself. Um, so what happened is Laurent, really, um, he's the CEO and founder of Sunburst, was trying to find a way to be able to use the drone for long hours um, and the most clean possible. And that's where solar-powered drones came in the, why not? Why not putting solar panels on top of the wing? Let's try, let's see if it works. And the idea is to use renewable energy over fossil fuels drones are good but they still have batteries in drones and that is mm. not the best for the environment so the idea is to have the cleanest drone possible that you could use we are thinking about it and instead of using the car or another type of drone that's the the main idea is to be able to yeah have the cleanest possible and having like zero footprint pretty much as much as we can we always have but as much as we can 
And I think that whole, you know, corporate responsibility and sustainability and, um, you know, that, that long-term sort of focus, it's certainly something that um, our primary producers are thinking about as well. You know, how can they use the land better? So I think this all kind of links in together. Um, I'm, one of the podcasts I did with, with was with a guy um, who owns Calliope Station, which is a huge cattle station, and, and um, Will Wilson's his name, and he spoke a lot about this, you know, this sustainability in, in the future. Um, yes. So I think it's, it's something very different, you know, that, that not a lot of companies are necessarily looking at. Have, have you found that as well, or do you think there's going to be more of this coming in the future? Um, do you mean like more of this type of drone or more people? Yeah, more of this type of drone. Um, I hope so, to be honest. Um, and I think more people will be aware of that. It's funny because um, if we want to like um, draw a difference between France and Australia, France is a bit more conscious about climate change and environment than in Australia, but Australia is growing. So I'm sure it will come in the next few years. More and more businesses and industry uh, will create these type of drones. Um, I think so. I think that's also where everyone and the whole society is kind of like going towards and have put the interest in is to have the cleanest technology possible. So it's also a challenge. And I'm sure that it's also a challenge for some people that just want to see and test new technology. Um, so I'm sure it will. Yeah, and I think, I think you're right. I think there's definitely a shift towards, as I sort of keep saying about, you know, corporate responsibility and sustainability and, and kind of doing the right thing. So um, it makes a bit of sense. So let's uh, let's talk specifically about some um, some use cases. C- can you give me some examples of um, what you guys have done, or or maybe you know what what you would like to do, um, so that our listeners kind of understand the the real application of this type of technology? Yeah. Um, so as I said just just before, the main application for Sunburst is to use our drones in cattle stations in Australia. So mainly Queensland, Northern Territory, Western Australia, where it's like bright and sunny most of the year. Um, and we're using our drones to check water corners, fences, gates, anything that is on the, on the cattle station and needs to be inspected every one, two or three days. Um, to give you an idea of uh, a case study, so we work with MDH, um, so the Magdalene family, it's the seventh largest family-owned cattle station in the world. Um, so it's pretty big um, industry business. They have 14 mm. properties um, and some properties are like... Um, like really, really large, like million of acres. And they have like so many water points to inspect. So what we've done with them is that we actually did the trial with them um, to test if the drone was outback proven and could be used in the outback Queensland. So we did all the proof of concept with them uh, that we've done twice. And that's where we, we've done our world record, actually. It was not a world record because we have registered, but that's where we've done our longest flight. It was with them. Um, eight hours on their property. Um, and so pretty much we're using um, this drone to check water points. They're saying, like, to give you a bit of an idea, cattle, cattle needs water um, and cannot survive more than three, three days without water. So water points need right. to be inspected every two days. Usually to do that, they either use helicopters, planes, or they have someone driving the whole day checking water points on the property. That costs mm. a lot of money in fuel. Um, like we checked with them, we, we calculated it with MDH and using a drone instead of a plane, they can save half a million dollars every year. Half wow. a million just for like one drone. And they have 14 properties. So you, you, like you're saving a lot of money, but you're also saving increasing safety 
in like at work because no one has to fly um, the end of your property when it's like 50 degrees outside um, and you have no water left or no one has to drive eight hours during the day to check all those water points because a drone can do it itself, come back with all the photos. And then if there's a problem on like on one of the photos, you can check there's a problem with uh, a water point. Then at that time, you can fly there or drive it and fix what needs to be fixed with all the tools that you need to do that. Mm. So we like saving time, saving money, increasing safety at work. Um, that's the main use of this drone. And just the issue with those big cattle stations, they, they don't have access to information on like on what's happening on the property because it's too big to have what's to know what's happening on like on the other corner of your property while you're fixing something. Having a drone that can check your property like tw- pretty much every day if you need to, you gain all this information and then you can also be more in charge of your property and like take the right decision with um, the data that you have. Yeah, and I think that also um, it links back into the whole culture of your organization it's all about sustainability and it's all about doing you know doing what we need doing the right thing by by the planet and by by the earth and um by not driving you know vehicles around the place for 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 no real reason then you know and then using solar powered drones we're kind of you know magnifying the impact um or magnifying the you know the less impact that we're 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 providing on the ground yes exactly i mean they still need plane and 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 obviously cars but the idea is to reduce that use and use more like renewable energy tools like drones um, to check what you need to check. Yeah. And so where do you think the industry is going? Um, you know, we, we talk a lot with, uh, with CASA and, and, you know, there's a lot of people doing a lot of things. What, what's Amy's opinion on, you know, the future of drones in Australia in particular? Where do you think we're going to go? And, and even particularly around your technology, what's your thoughts? Um, so I'll, our biggest challenge for Sandburst is obviously being able to do BVLOS flights. Uh, with a drone mm. that can fly for up to eight hours, we need to be able to do beyond visual line of sight uh, flights. Um, I think that's the next big challenge with Kesa, at least that's the one I'm more aware of, and that is more linked to Sunbirds. Um, we need to find a pathway to allow BVLOS flights um, like more easily, especially for in our industry. We work in cattle stations. There's no one mm. in the cattle station except cattle. And around the onset, yes, you have people. But doing a BVLOS flight on a cattle station is, is honestly 90% safe. Uh, 90% of the time, it's pretty safe to do that. Um, and there's a need to, to use those drones in those cattle station. Um, so I think the next challenge would be to be able to apply for BVLOS flight like, way more easily. Um, mm. Or having, I think that's would be the biggest challenge or the next move that Kaza um, and Kaza is working on it. So it's, it's, it's changing, it's moving in the right direction. But I think the whole thing about the, the BVLS flights um, is the next, uh, next big step, I think. Or at least yeah, for Sandra, I- that's what we need. Yeah, and, and you're right, you know, you're not asking for BV lost flights over urban terrain. You're not asking for BV lost flights over Brisbane. At the moment, you know, hopefully at some point we'll get to that point. But yeah. when you're sitting, you know, potentially tens of hours away from, you know, the next major capital city. That, that's exactly uh, that. We, we need BV lost flights in the middle of Australia, in the deserts. So it's like no one under, there's nothing to worry about, let's say. And, and you're flying above your own property. You're not flying above someone else. Yeah, I was just going to say that as well. It's it's still your own property. You're still even if you fly for four hours, you're still on your property. 
Yeah. And then I can I can see, you know, I could see a safety case around, let, let's draw a box around a property. You know, it might have 400,000 acres and we draw a box around it and we say you can only fly within that box and you can mm-hmm. fly BV loss within that box. Cool. That's great. Step one. Then what I think we see happening, and this is how we kind of scale our industry, is we say, well, you know, John O next door, in the next door property, he's got 400,000 acres too. He wants to be involved. So we now draw a box around the two properties. Now we've got 800,000 acres. And then you know, John down the road as well, he's got another couple hundred thousand acres. And then maybe, you know, old mate who, who's 50Ks away, we can draw a box that'll get us from, from yep. here to there. Um, you know, I, I think, I don't pretend to think this is an easy problem to fix, but um, it, it's a fixable problem, that's for sure. Surely that, that's what you guys are seeing too. Yeah, uh, it's definitely, what's to create a cluster of cattle stations definitely mm. things that we, um, that is possible to do. And I think the, the main issue with BDLOS is not the technology, it's the human factor. And that's what CASA is more um, uh, worried about. It's not, the technology is proven to be working. Like There's no problem about that. We've reviewed English Channel. We've done eight hours flights. The technology is right. Computers working fine. The joint working fine. The issue is more like the communication also being like around humans. So if you use the drone above different cattle station properties, oh, how do you do that? Do you put a system so everyone is aware that there's a drone flying? Don't use mm. your helicopters at that time. Or like, let's say there's a, um, a mail flight, um, like a, a flight like for any type of mail that is flying like once yep. every week. Then you just text them on, let them know that there's a drone or other way around. You be sure that you don't fly your drone at that time. It's all about communication. As long as you, you put a communication system and processes in place and you get sure to cancel that, that's the number to call. Most people are aware of that. That's all you need in, um, in Outback Queensland. I'm not talking about the rest of Australia, but in Outback Queensland, where we mostly work, that's all you need to do. It's just to make sure that your neighbors are aware um, and that you'll be sure that you're not flying your drone when that plane is coming. And that's, that's all you actually need to do. Because the technology is working, we have GPS. So even if there's a crash or anything like that, you know where your drone is, you can just drive mm. and pick it up. Um, worst case scenario, it just went through a tree or killed the cattle. But there's no more than that like to worry about. So it's... Yeah. Yeah. And very unlikely, you know, realistically. And very um, unlikely. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, none of these problems are insurmountable. You know, the stuff yeah. you're talking about is quite doable. Um, and I think that industry has answers um, already. We just need to get them through and get them sorted. A question I've got around your technology. So whilst you're flying beyond visual line of sight, you, the communications with the aircraft, is that still based on line of sight or are you doing satellite communications? Satellite communication. Uh, yep. So satellite communication with GPS uh, and we also have radio, com- like radio communication. Yeah. So, what sort of altitude are you flying? You know, once you, once, you know, what's your, what's your typical flight altitude when you're out conducting these missions? Um, so, still 120 meters um, yep. all around. Um, obviously, we can fly high, like, like higher than that. Um, but 120 meters works perfectly fine to be sure to have like the right, like, sun exposure on the solar panel. Uh, we usually don't do more than that. It all depends, pretty much it all depends on what you need to inspect. If you need to fly higher or lower, we can do that without a problem. Um, yeah, like we in Africa, we don't have, they don't have regulation on drones, so we can fly way higher than that sometimes. Mm. But particularly in Australia, you know, everyone's so set on this 400 feet, 120 metres, you know, yep. 
thing. Um, the, the fact that you can fly 100 kilometres away and still be sitting at 120 metres um, is infinitely safer as well than flying at 5,000 feet. You know, I think, I think once we start flying in those areas, we're going to come into a problem with um, manned aviation being concerned. But, you know, part of my soapbox is that, you know, manned aviation has got to come to the party at the same time. We've got to kind of meet in the middle. Um, but, yeah, it certainly makes it, um, makes it very, very safe. Um, if people want some more information, Amy, on, on Sunbirds and, and what you guys are doing, how, how best are they to get in contact with you guys or, or find more info? Yeah, um, so they can go on our website, definitely, so sunbirds.aru, and they have my phone number on the website, first page, so and my email address. So if they want to have any more information, they can contact me directly. We also have been doing some webinars and they're available for free on the website. So if they want to know more about um, drones and using drone e-cattle stations specifically, they can just have a look and hear my beautiful accent um, while I talk <laughs> through that. But yeah, they can contact me through that website or have more information through our websites. Awesome. And um, we've definitely seen each other around and, and we'll see each other more at, at events, you know, AUS events and others. Do you guys deliberately kind of go to all those networking events and, and uh, conferences? Yeah, most of them, um, if I can. I think I've been to most of them so far because it's a great way to connect with people in the industry. Um, there's also, like, yeah, get some insights on every part of the industry, get to know what's um, moving, what's changing. Um, so, yeah, definitely like to be there yeah absolutely and, and, I, and i agree with you i think um i mean i'm i'm super biased um given i'm on the board of aus but i think those events are really important to meet people yes. and, and we met i think at arpaz in the skies early you know much earlier um last year was it or was it this year I can't this remember. year in canberra this year yeah it was yeah, this year in, in march i think I, I don't even know what day it is. This whole COVID thing just keeps ruining um, yeah, your appreciation okay. of time, I think. <laughs> hey, yes. Amy, um, thanks so much for joining us um, this morning on the Drones for Good podcast. I think what you guys are doing is great. I think this whole um, socially responsible approach to drone use is is pretty cool. And, and as a as a um, you know, bit of a tech nerd, I, I love the fact that we can throw a drone in the air and it can fly around, you know, being power, powered primarily, you know, by the sun. We're still going to dig, you know, minerals out of the ground to, to support some of these things. It's always going to happen with technology. Yes. But um, the more we minimise that into the future, the better. And, and this exactly. is certainly a big step in, in, the, in the right direction of doing that. Um, thanks very much, Amy. I really appreciate you joining us um, this morning and, uh, and best of luck into the future. Maybe we can um, get together in six months' time or at the next AUS event and, and have a little catch-up and see what's going on. Sure. Thanks a lot, Andrew, for inviting me. It's nice to chat with you. No worries. Thanks, Amy. See ya. See ya.